welcome to Inside Education, a podcast for educators who are interested in teaching. My name is Sean Delaney. I'm a primary teacher and teacher educator myself, and my book about teaching, Become the Primary Teacher Everyone Wants to Have, which was published by Routledge, is now also available as an audiobook. You can listen to hundreds of previous Inside Education podcasts by going to my website, seandelaney.com, and clicking on Podcasts. You can write to me with comments or suggestions to Inside Education Podcast at yahoo.com. Follow me on Twitter, where I use the handle at InsideEd. When you think of the continent of Africa, what comes to mind? How does your perception of Africa influence your teaching across the curriculum? My guests on the podcast today want to challenge your perception of Africa. To that end, they have edited a book called Challenging Perceptions of Africa in School, Critical Approaches to Global Justice Education, which was published by Routledge. My guests are my colleague in Marino Institute of Education, Dr. Barbara O'Toole, and her co-editors, Dr. Ibon Joseph and Dr. David Nyaluke. Barbara O'Toole is a senior lecturer in Marino Institute of Education and directs the master's course there in Intercultural Learning and Leadership. Ebon Joseph lectures on Black Studies in University College Dublin and David Nyaluke is the Proudly Made in Africa Fellow in University College Dublin. You'll like this podcast if you're interested in social justice and the Global South, if you want to have some of your perceptions challenged and if you want to get some practical suggestions about presenting a richer picture of Africa in your classroom. When I met up with Barbara, Eben and David, I first asked all three of them to tell me about their professional background that brought them to edit this book on challenging perceptions of Africa in schools. So my name is Barbara O'Toole and I have been a lecturer for many years in Marino Institute of Education. And my areas are intercultural education and global education or development ed. So I came to this project because I have been wanting to challenge deficit perspectives about Africa and Africans in education for many years and to try and counter some of the racial stereotypes that I uh, that I see that are prevalent in education. So that really was my my entry point into this and I can talk in more detail in a little while about the specifics of it. Evan you know, my name is Ebon Joseph. I um, So again, I wear many hats, but I think one of the things that brought me to this project really comes from just, you know, my work in, in the labor market, you know, researching labor markets, researching inequality in the labor market and how when you begin to separate on the basis of race, nationality of descent, you begin to see a difference and you see an impact, you know, and also just from lecturing. So I lecture in black studies. And so you begin to see that our education system in the Western world and in Ireland, you know, you see how it is focused on a very Eurocentric view of of people from from Africa, you know, and how that view, you know, impacts on the expectations, the experiences, really. So it's really about correcting, you know, um, telling the counter story, showing the other perspective, you know, you know, Chimamanda talks about the danger of a single story. So it's like, you know, our whole system has this single story about the African continent and not just the people, but, you know, not just the continent, but the people and the products from the continent itself and how that, you know, really disadvantages all of us. So it was really about trying to make sure we have a good perspective. Thanks, Evan. And David? So I am uh, David Nyaluke. So I work for uh, Proud Made in Africa. Uh, my role is to teach on doing business in and with Africa. So, so I came to this project mainly because, you know, that's what we have been doing in terms of uh, Product in Africa. They've been trying to, you know, to, to work with producers in Africa to help them and support them to find a, a market for manufactured products uh, from Africa to other markets. And the, the reason why the organization is doing this is mainly to address the whole issue where uh, African countries, even Asian countries and other countries say in Latin America, they have been made to be producers of raw material to the other markets. And because they do that, they don't really earn a, a fair share of uh, the value of their of their of their of the products that they that they, they produce in those countries. And those systems have been set since uh, uh, colonial times. So they, they do that. My colleagues would, would work with producers. My role is to teach 
And I think when this opportunity came to work on this book project, it was good because then we could put together these ideas in a, in a, in a, in a, in a book, in an, academic, in an academic way, so that we can address these things and have for people a point of references. Because I would go around you know, universities, institutes teaching on these, uh, on these matters. Uh, but even this as an emerging area, there is less reference material. So I think when we got this opportunity to work on this material, it was really opportunity for us to, to engage in this project. So if we jump then into the into the, the subject area, and if you think about how Africa is is discussed and is part of discussions in schools in Ireland, because I know you use Ireland as a case study, but it, you're actually thinking about a broader treatment of, of, of Africa. But if you look at how Africa is, is treated in schools, what are teachers doing well about how they present Africa to their students, first of all, from what you from what you know? Um, well, maybe I'll pick that up because I come from the primary teaching perspective. I, I think what's good about it is that it's changing. It's beginning to change. I think people are beginning to become more aware of the need to, to, to challenge pers- perspectives and to challenge stereotypes. I, I think from when I started this work probably 15, 20 years ago, I think that there's a far greater sensitivity to it now. And I'll give an example of last month, we had a webinar, an introduction to Black Studies webinar across uh, Marino Institute of Education and Maynooth for um, staff and students. And we had about 130 participants. And I think that was an indication of the degree of interest there is out there at the moment in this. There's a long way to go, but I think the, the work has started. Eben or David, would you like to add to that? Again, you know, I think that, you know, I teach Black Studies and the reason we do that is because we know that, you know, history is not being distorted by mistake. It's being deliberately distorted. And the way our history has been told has not just only impacted on the past, but it is impacting on how we are today. So we cannot, I I don't blame students. I don't even blame academics or lecturers for not knowing because we are coming through a system that has taught us about the African continent in a particular way. And so for us to make that change, you know, it's, you know, whoever is controlling your past, the narrative of the past, they are the ones controlling the, the present and they are the ones controlling the future. So the narrative, the way Africa has been talked about in the past, for example, we talk about, you know, slavery, you know, I talk about enslavement, you know, they talk about explorers, I talk about exploiters, you know, so you look at it, you know, there's an African proverb that says that until the lion tells the tale, the hunter, you know, tells the tale from his perspective and the hunter is always victorious. So we need to hear, you know, the story of Africa, you know, from a different perspective. And if you look at even the way we talk about Africa in in the Western world, the story of Africa seems to start from its enslavement, seems to start from its struggles. Everything we hear about is about its struggles. And that is a distortion of history. It's a distortion. Who were they before they were enslaved? Who were they, you know, before their struggles start? That is the power. You know, people, you know, I I teach a lot now about anti-racism. People are trying to learn to be non-racist or be anti-racist. I'm like, do you know that if our history taught us about, you know, this group of people in a, in a non-Eurocentric way. We won't need to be learning to be non-racist or anti-racist, but our system teaches us in a way that it grooms us to actually perform racism. So that's why it is really, really important how we understand about Africa and, and, and its people. So, okay, so if I just push you a little bit on that. So we, we, you, you now have an audience of hundreds, if not thousands of teachers listening. And if you could talk to them and say how they could approach the teaching of Africa that is not Eurocentric, how, what, where might they start? I think the key thing is when they are teaching about Africa, they need to read African authors first. 
how do African authors represent, you know, Africa? Then also they don't need to tell African story like a single story. Most times they go, you know, they use the shortcut and that shortcut is that we talk about poverty, we talk about bad governance, you know, we talk about, you know, overpopulation, you know, so we only pick all of those things. It must be a balanced story. Take for example, Ireland. We have homelessness in Ireland. A few weeks ago, over five people died in the space of two weeks from being homeless on our streets. But that is not the story of Ireland that we portray. And so if we do not teach about Ireland in that way, then we should not teach about the African continent in that way. So when you want to teach about Africa, you want to look at what are its resources. Who were they before they were colonized? And then who are they now? That begins to give you a broad spectrum. And that information is there, you know? So it's really finding out who they were before, who they are now, and, you know, what are their challenges, but also what are their strengths? There is no nation that doesn't have a strength. And the dilemma we have is that our teachers teach about Africa from a perspective of a deficit. We paint this deficit about Black people, about Africa. We must balance it with the deficit, but we must also talk about the strengths that they have. Barbara. Yes, um, it, it, there, there were a couple of very stark things that emerged from the book. One is there's a, a, a chapter in, in the book by Ramalusa and Cecilia Gavigan, and it's looking at representations of Africa in textbooks. One of the things they found, and this is a direct quote from their chapter, that uh, there is an almost ubiquitously negative portrayal of the African continent in school textbooks. And this was an, an analysis of primary school textbooks that they carried out. Is um, that in Ireland? Yes, this is in Irish primary schools. So, um, so th th that I think really emphasizes that if teachers are using textbooks, that they really have to vet the materials that they're using with the class because the overwhelming uh, portrayal of Africa in those textbooks was, they said, a preponderance of negative imagery um, of African countries lacking technology, being backward, being poor, Africa being presented as a single homogenous entity. So I think that's, that, that is very stark. The other thing I found when I was doing the research for the book, I was looking at children's perceptions of Africa. And in all the studies I looked at, I didn't come across one study where children at baseline, when they were asked about their perceptions of Africa, perceived Africa in terms of equality or parity of, of esteem. Not one study, no matter what age group the research was carried out with. And I think that again is very stark and very worrying. David, what would you like to say to teachers and to educators about teaching Africa in, in, yes. in Irish schools or more generally in, in European schools? Absolutely. So uh, to, to that, I will add, I think the, Barbara in, 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 in the book, uh, she did chapter, uh, chapter three. And in that chapter three, uh, Barbara is talking about unlearning. I think there's a lot of unlearning that need to happen in, 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 in many of, this, of the education system in the way Africa has been taught and is being, uh, is being taught, uh, you know, from, from the past and uh, until now, the way, the way it's, it's being taught. Because that is coming from a very particular pers perspective of Africa. And I think, that, as, 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 as Ebony was saying there, and I think as, as we did also in the book, is coming from that that knowledge that was constructed from colonialism from back in the days when people wanted to to colonize african people when, when people wanted to to enslave uh, african people so they generated certain narratives which have carried on surprisingly until today and even you know then then even after after independence there's this perspiration of africa being dependent on aid while of course we talk about uh, trade africa is, is producing a lot of of, of, of goods Etc. But on, on one friend is being exploited on those on those on those fronts. On the other hand, people are talking about Africa is being assisted in terms of aid, and I think this aid mentality is also in Ireland because there's a big aid sector is also sifting into into the education system. Is in the media, is in the advertisements by by, by various organisations, and is in the you know the, the development 
uh, assistance programs that the, the government has put in place. And all that narrative is sifting into the education system. So there is a, whole, a lot of unlearning which need to happen, but also currently we need also at various levels, even from the government level, from the Irish aid sector, all this missionary sector, all these sectors need to transform so that then we can have a balanced view of education in, in, in our systems. But definitely, you know, there is a way to teach Africa in a way that respects Africa as a place and, and, and a people that have their own lives and they have their own successes and struggles. Yeah, and I think one thing you're you're making very clear there, David, is that it's not just a school's problem, it's a, a broader societal problem that is seeping into the schools. Barbara, when you, David there mentioned how you wrote about unlearning, is it the teachers or the students who have to unlearn? Well, it's both, but it's both, but it has to start with teachers themselves. Teachers have to engage in this self-questioning and self-reflection and thinking about their own blind spots and trying to bring their own blind spots into conscious awareness. Because if they don't, what's going to happen is that they are, are going to uh, perpetuate these narratives that, that, that we are uh, critical of in the book. So that um, the starting point has to be the teachers themselves questioning their own beliefs, thinking about the, the language they use, thinking about the images they use in the classroom, uh, how they uh, uh, frame discourse. And then I think then that then carries over into the classroom. But teachers definitely are the starting point. And Eben, you mentioned earlier that there are certain authors you'd like teachers to read. Are there some authors, uh, say, uh, some African authors that you think would be particularly accessible and relevant to Irish educators? Um, so we have, again, I, I do more of critical race theory. So a lot of my, a lot of my work will come from, um, you know, from, from critical race theory. But David, you know, does a lot, you know, so I would give David that question to, you know, give us the, he would do more from the African perspective. So most of my authors will be critical race theories. They will be African-American. Um, but I think that we would prefer, you know, for, for your schools would be to use more of the African authors. David? Yeah. Okay, before I go to David, uh, Eben, can I just ask you to explain for, for this, what is critical race theory? You're bringing me back to the question again. <laughs> okay, okay. So, well, I, I think, you know, when I go to critical race theory, maybe just to first highlight, you know, just um, something that um, David was saying about and, and what um, Barbara was talking about as well. I think if I chapter, if I did a chapter on, um, you know, um, Africa as pedagogical playground, problematizing, um, sending programs for teachers, you know, I think that that is a really important point, you know, that feeds on to what David was saying before, you know, that, you know, um, superior, that, um, you know, savior complex, you know, that we have because of our education system, the way it teaches us about the African continent. So I think that chapter that done by Ifa there really, really highlights, you know, on that and why we need that active on learning. Most people want to go into the action. They want to say, tell me what to do, you know, so they want to just do. I'm like, no, you can't just do you have to be so when we talk about decolonizing curriculums when we talk about you know changing our curriculums it's not just the action of changing the curriculum it's the mindset the people themselves the teachers you know as barbara said you know the teachers themselves you know that that work you know needs to start from them if not we will perpetuate this violence you know um, against people and we find that what will happen is that students will then be learning in the corridors of racism because they are sitting down in the classrooms and they are being harmed by really hurtful and harmful words that, you know, um, does not take into account, you know, their, their, you know, their own um, origins and their own destinies. When I teach Black studies, you hear Black students say that, you know, this is the first time, you know, I have been the center of my own education. And so it's really important how we teach about Africa, because when you teach about it in a positive way, you know, in a, in a strong way, you actually center, you know, the students who are in your classrooms, you know, and you make that education about them. If I come to the question of critical race theory, critical race theory is two things. It does, it is both a, a theoretical framework and an analytical framework. So it's a framework that says that if you want to look at, you know, inequality, 
if you want to look at racial inequality, you have to center race. So race, you have to do that research around race. You have to put race in the middle of that thing. You can't be wanting to understand how people from two different um, groups, you know, while human beings were all of one race, you know, um, this, I look at it as a horizontal spectrum, you know, where there are different shades, you know, along that horizontal spectrum. And um, while we are all of one race, um, because of the color, you know, the color and the continent where people are from, we treat people differently. So critical race theory says that if you want to look at the relationships between people on the spectrum of what we call race, you must center race. You can't center it around gender or sexuality or religion. It is race. So it is a framework that allows you to look at inequality as a as a stratification you know a, a way that society is racially stratified you know it me it says that you must look at race and racism you must center race and racism and how it impacts on people another key thing that critical race theory does it says that you know if you want to look at the relationships between groups today you must be conscious of the past so you, you must have both a historical and a contemporary understanding of those group of people. How were they in the past? And that's why you see us, we keep talking about the history, we keep talking about pre-colonial Africa. You know, when we talk about active unlearning, you know, that active unlearning is a, it is a process that comes from what you have learned. So you must learn the right thing. What is the right thing to learn? You must learn the non-Eurocentric view of Africa. So, so it, it helps you, it, it says you must look at the um, historical context of people, you know, and then also compare that with the, with the contemporary concept of people, you know. So the good thing about critical race theory is that it actually allows you to, be able to use the same framework to be a method and also be an analysis. So you can use it, for example, a tenet of intersectionality. It looks at that you are not one single being, you know, you're a male, you're white. So those are two things come together. That is your intersection, you know? So it looks at how does that impact on you? So even as teachers, our students are Muslim, black and female. That is three things coming together. How does this intersection impact on them? So critical race theory gives us that framework, you know, of looking at, you know, the different intersecting um, vectors in, in people's lives. So it's a, it, it just allows you to center race and not to run away from race or pretend that it's something that is not. It allows you to name it, name racisms, you know, that impacts on, on outcomes of people. Thanks, Evan. Uh, it reminds me of the book by Vivian Gusson Paley called White, White Teacher. Uh, I don't know if you've come across that, but it, uh, it kind of it, it covers some of, some of those, those topics. David, if I come back to you now, can you um, recommend some authors, some African authors that you think would be accessible for Irish teachers and, um, and, and that you think would, 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 be, um, would be helpful for them in portraying a, more, a, a richer, more complex view of Africa? Yeah, Sean, I'll be happy to do that. And I would say uh, for teachers to find authors from Africa, from Asia, from, uh, from Latin America, uh, is a question of, I think, what one of our, our co-authors in the book, uh, uh, Alice Fedman, in Chapter 8, talks about uh, knowledge justice. It's a question of knowledge justice, whether we, 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 we recognize the knowledge is from other places and they use them for education. Because I think so much we've been using mostly, uh, you know, mostly uh, European centered uh, uh, books, textbooks, uh, knowledge. So I think seeking to, to look at other knowledge from other places and recognizing them as knowledges is very, very important, important as a question of knowledge justice. Now, going to a question of, um, of authors that he, will be inspiring from from Africa. I would say there is there is many. I I studied in Africa for my for my 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 for all my my, my education up to the first degree, and I used for for everything I used the African authors, and then not only from my own country but also from other countries. So for for the better of you know the the reference for for Irish teachers, let's begin with the literature literature and a bit of history in a, in, a, in a kind of fiction way. Look at people like Ngugi Wathiongo, Eastern African author from Kenya. 
she ha he has a number of books there. One of them is The River Between. It tells a story of how uh, Africans were colonized, it would be colonization began in Africa, and how Africans began to fight back for their own independence. How they fought at the beginning and how they fought back later on to uh, entrench their own independence. You go in, in, in West Africa, Nigerian author, uh, Chinua Achebe, he has the, the famous Things Fall Apart. And that book, when you read it, it tells how Africans were living their life. They had their value system, they had their religion, they have their way, they were, they were living. When Europeans were coming, they were even surprised. These guys, who, who, are, who are these people, and et cetera. So, so there is that richness in, 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 the, in, in those books. So then you go to politics. If you want to understand how African politics was, was formulated and how it's been formulated, you go to people like Ali Mazului. As Mazului will tell you about, you know, different uh, ways in which the African countries were formulated, their politics was formulated, you know. So, you know, there is richness that, you know, you just have to scratch the surface, especially now with the, with the, with the internet. You can Google and you can get African authors that will be good for your, for your references, for, for, for knowing how Africa is and how Africa is progressing in, in a much more uh, balanced way. And that third author that you mentioned, David, um, the, uh, um, the author about politics, is there any particular book of his that you would recommend? Uh, Ali Maslui would have, would, have, would, have, would have many, many books. Depends on the subject that you want to touch on. I would advise people that just Google Ali Maslui and you would... How do you spell that? Ali Maslui, so A-L-I and then Maslui, A-A-M-A-Z... R-U-I, Ma'ari Mazrui. Perfect, that's great. And I'll put links to the, um, to the books that you mentioned and to the authors you mentioned in the show notes for this program. This is not something you've written about, but I suppose it's something that, you know, when I'm listening to what you're saying, I'm interested in to what extent you can help with this. But how is Ireland, or maybe Europe is a better way of thinking about it, how is Europe portrayed in African education? I think that in African education, even growing up, you know, is 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 portrayed as as something admirable, is portrayed as something good, is portrayed as you know, um, we we don't we don't see you know, and that's why you know we have that this Eurocentrism is not only just in Europe; it is actually even in the African continent itself, you know. Because we, it's, it's like my hair. I talk about decolonizing my hair. How did I learn, you know, that long straight hair was beautiful? How did I learn that long straight hair was more admirable than my, you know, my coily Afro pumps? Do you know? Because when we read things like Mills and Boone, when we read things, you know, and I think Chimamanda talks about it, that she was in Africa, she was writing in Nigeria, she was writing, but she was talking, writing about apples and, and snow and things that we don't have in Nigeria. Where do you pick that from? You know, so again, you see that, you know, that colonial knowledge, our education was taken away. You know, you look out in South Africa, you hear about the Bantu, the, the language was taken away. You know, when you speak the language, you are being told that, you know, you're, you know, the, the language, the culture was demonized. You know, it was seen as barbaric, you know, so, so you can see that that portrayal of Africa as less, even in the African continent, in, through the education system, a lot of the books we read, we read about Mongo Park, discovering, you know, discovering uh, in Africa as well. Shouldn't, shouldn't we have been saying, come on, we were living here before you came here. Do you know what I mean? You know, so it's all of those things, but there was no pushback. Yeah. Like Paulo Freire and internalizing the oppressor. Hmm. Yes. yes. No. And, and if I can add to that, Sean, now we are talking about decolonizing education. Yeah, decolonizing education is a, is a, is a big topic. And I think, I think Alice Fredman in, in UCD is one of the leading professors in that decolonizing education. So, you know, most of this education that we have in Africa, in Latin America, everywhere, because of the impact of colonialism, they begin with that. So the education system that we have after colonial people came and they colonized those places, they conquered those places. They changed their political system, education system. Uh, they changed all the systems and they put there the European education system. 
So the fight, the, the struggle for independence was to, to struggle for ourselves so that we can put in place our own education system, our own economic system, our own social system, back again. And we talk about hundreds of years of colonialism. In, in Africa, colonialism began, began in 1884. The last country to get independence was, was, was Zimbabwe. They got independence in 1980. So basically from 1884 to 1980, the last country to get independence in Africa. South Africa was still under apartheid until 1994. So, you know, all that time, these people, they put in place the colonial education system. The education we were doing in Africa before colonialism people came, it was the education that was enough for people to live their life, to manage their life, to feel proud and to be themselves. But when they came, they repressed that. So at the moment, we are in the process of decolonizing this education from Africa everywhere. And I think even in Ireland, because of experience of colonialism, I think you did a form of decolonizing your education. So that is the thing. And I think countries, even in Africa, they are in different phases of decolonizing their education system. Some of them are, are doing very bad. They might be studying, teaching people about how France is great and how the French system is great. There might be some countries that are still doing that because of the various levels of decolonizing. So, so valid question in terms of how do we learn about Europe? Yeah, we learn, you know, because that's the, the system that we're putting in place. So various levels of how we, we learn that. You know what colonialism does to you? You know, the, the French had, had a system where there were people who were called, they were assimilados. They were assimilated. So they became French. Like you, an African, you become French. So you become French, basically, you know. And there were people who were saying, okay, we have become French. You know, so give us the same rights as French citizens. You know, we have learned your education system. We have mastered it. We speak as good French as even more than you French. So give us the rights, as, as, but they were Africans. So this is what colonialism does. So when we say decolonizing, in fact, Ngugi Thiongo is talking about decolonizing the mind. So, so it's, it's mental processes. It's not even physical. So, so all that is, is part of the decolonizing the education system because these ideas are in people and they're in systems. So I think that is the, 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 the depths of that. So your book is called Challenging Perceptions of Africa in Schools, Critical Approaches to Global Justice Education. Barbara, if I come back to you, who is the audience for the book? Like, is it, is it geared towards academics or is it accessible to, uh, say, classroom teachers? It would be accessible to classroom teachers and academics. There are specific chapters in there that I think primary school teachers would be very interested in. There's the chapter where the teachers talk about the implementation of the trade justice module with fifth and sixth classes. And that has a very practical orientation because it's talking about the pitfalls, it's talking about the possibilities of doing this work in school and the uh, encouragement then the teachers would, uh, would approach this work at a much earlier age. That was one of the main learnings from the, from the project. The uh, chapter on the, the textbook analysis and the imagery of Africa, again, very much geared towards what primary teachers are practically doing. And Sandra Austin's chapter on meaningful action, again, they, there are very practical ideas in there for primary school teachers. But we also think that it has relevance beyond that. It has relevance for academics, for teacher educators, for student teachers, because uh, the, the thread going all the way through the book is about seeing the world differently. It's about challenging assumptions. It's, it's disrupting thinking. Um, you know, in, in many ways, it's a call to action on the part of educators, no matter what level the person is working at. That's what I would say overall about it. And when we're thinking about Africa in the curriculum, are we thinking about it in classes like history, geography, maybe religion, or, or are we thinking about other subjects? What, what subjects, um, or, or is it a cross across the curriculum? I think it's everything, you know, it's the whole system itself. So the, cur the curriculum is not just about history, but it's about even music. When we think about, teach about music, you know, where do we draw music from? Where does it start from? When we teach architecture, you know, do we go back to the Egyptian, you know, buildings there? You know, do we go back to the Benin Empire, you know, in Nigeria? You know, do we do we include all of those architectural 
designs, you know, from the continent, you know, or do we just start from, you know, what has happened in the last four or 500 years, you know? So it's, again, it's looking at all of those things. When we talk about medicine, you know, do we go back, you know, to look at, you know, some of the vaccines that originated, you know, some of the, you know, the, the natural methods, you know, of taking care of health that some of, some, some of us have taken over here, we've modified. We don't include all of those things. So we erase. So what we've called, you know, and Alice writes about that as a knowledge epistemicide, you know, we've erased the knowledge, you know. So when we talk about language, do we know that the one, two, three we use now was gifted to us from the African continent? We don't know that. That. You know, so, so again, it's so so it's not it's across the whole system. It operates in such a way that that every subject that is being taught is taught in such a way that paints Africa as a deficit. It paints the people from the continent as you know in a deficit position. So it's that it's it's changing the power dynamics. So when we talk about decolonizing the curriculum, you must teach about the continent, about different groups in such a way that there is a power balance. So they, they teach about Africa in such a way that there is little or no power to the continent itself. Do you understand? So it's about the power. So it's not just about going to learn that, oh, Africa was great. No, you, you, you teach it in such a way that you balance out the power. You see, when you put it like that, I think... I mean, I, I think it's such a complex thing, but I think it's not so much the teachers wouldn't, say, introduce African music in Irish schools or African art. It's that they probably don't know it well enough or it's not accessible enough to, to, uh, to them. Like, for example, Barbara, you, you developed a teaching resource about Africa called Just Connections, Just Trade. Can you say a little bit about that resource and how that was received in schools? That work tied very much up with the work that David is doing in Proudly Made in Africa, because the whole premise of that pack is looking at the uh, global inequality, structural inequalities around trade. And uh, what, uh, what we wanted to do with that pack was to bring that concept into primary schools in an age appropriate way. So it was moving from a charity mentality to a global justice mentality by showing, as David explained earlier, that when you extract the uh, raw products, uh, what you're doing is you're engaging in wealth extraction from African countries, because it means that the uh, countries never have the opportunity to bring something to a finished product and sell it then uh, to manufacture it completely. So that what we wanted to do was to demonstrate that for primary school children, that you can address some of these systemic inequalities through economics, because it's that economic imbalance that keeps communities poor. So that was the whole idea behind the pack. And it has been very successful. It, it was piloted in six schools, and then we refined it with um, some uh, support from Irish Aid and from Marino Institute of Education, and then it went back out into schools and it has been received really well. But at the kernel of it, that's what we're working towards. It's trying to counter that charity mentality by saying, look, that um, if, you, if you address these systemic injustices, then people are going to be able to be fully included. Even for people who have goodwill towards that idea, it's easier for them to be charitable than it is to change a system. Changing a system is such a challenge, isn't it? Where can teachers get access to that uh, resource, Barbara? Uh, that can be downloaded from the Marino website. Okay, and I'll, I'll put a link to that in the, in the yes, show notes. Yes, yes. Um, we're coming near the end. So what I'd like to do is go around to each of you uh, now one last time and just ask you if there's one message you would like teachers to take with them from, you know, listening to this podcast and something that they could maybe you know, think about in their teaching or apply in their teaching or, you know, just that that you think would actually be a good step for them to take. What, what would it be? And I don't mind who goes first. I can start. I think, um, and I would direct you to my chapter in, in chapter 10, where I talk about developing a, a race consciousness. It is really important for you to do this work you must be conscious of race, you know? It's not enough to match and say Black Lives Matter. 
you must be conscious of it. You must know that it's always in your classroom. You must know, you know, that we operate. So I talk about a hierarchical system. So you must know and understand that our systems, the way it operates today is very hierarchical. You must ask yourself who is at the top and who is at the bottom. You need to ask yourself then what is life like for those at the bottom? You must remember that we all do not have the same experiences. And so when we talk about a, a consciousness of race, is being conscious of the fact that race in itself, the same way gender and sexuality and religion impacts on people's experiences, race impacts on people's experiences. And when we are not conscious of that, we become, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we perform violence against people because we harm them. Um, and I think I might finish by reminding us of the quote by Kataji Woodson. I use that a lot when I teach black history. He talks about the miseducation of the Negro person that the miseducation of the black mind you know, and that's what it is about, that this is about your mindset, you know, I'm not just focusing on behavioral racism, I'm talking about, you know, the mindset that has come from stereotypes that we have received and we have believed. We have, our system has taught us that. We did not create racism, we did not create race, but what we do with this inheritance of race and racism that we have is all on us. We can do something about it. You can unlearn it. How do you unlearn it? Begin, be race conscious, be conscious of race, find the information, it is there. Make that change and that's where it is. There's a hierarchy, we operate a hierarchical system. Some people are at the top, some people are at the bottom. Learn about it in your classroom, who is at the top and who is at the bottom. Is it only education? Is it only education? merits that is operating or are you operating a system where your stereotypes are used to influence how you teach and what you teach how you decide your content so it's that thing you know i call it policing yourself policing yourself means there is a point where before you click same before you finally decide what material to use ask yourself which of my stereotypes are portrayed here? How do I balance out the stereotypes that obviously are in my work? Just believe that there is a stereotype already in your work and then stop for two seconds and ask yourself, how do I balance out? How do I erase the stereotypes in this work? You would already have started the process of decolonizing, not just your curriculum, but also your mind as well. Thanks, Evan. Barbara, David? Yeah, I, I I will go first, and, and we, we leave Barbara for the for the for the last for the last word. She was a <laughs> I called her a chief editor when we were we were doing this work. So Barbara, we have the last word. So I I go I go second there. To this, I can add. I think uh, the issues of trade justice because I think I think at the moment I think that for the teachers it's very important to know that we are twenty first century teachers. So, so we are, we have, we have, we have, we've, we have a long history. To reach to the twenty-first century, we have a long history, and the many of the things that we took for granted in the past, they are catching up with us. We took for granted the, the environment; it has caught up with us. We have taken up, uh, we have taken a, a lot of uh, injustice issues. We haven't addressed them. They are catching us with us. You know, Black Lives Matter, uh, all the crisis that we have seen. All, all the injustice capitalism that we have been building, all everything is caught up with us. So we are in the 21st century. And this century, I think one of the authors in Africa, Professor Ndolov, he described that we are in a crisis of knowledge. We are in a crisis of uh, solutions, but also we are in a crisis of knowledge. And in terms of knowledge, there is a lot of knowledge out there that can solve the problems that we have in the world. You know, the, the, the knowledge from Asia, the knowledge from Latin America, the knowledge from Africa. Now, as 21st century, to be able to solve our problems, we need to recognize these knowledges and bring them to the classroom, give them equal chance, give them equal opportunity, and address those, those issues. And I think from where I come from, the issue of trade justice, very, very important. Trade justice for, for, the, for everybody to be paid fairly, for everybody to be able to, be, to have an income where, where they, they, of, what they, of what they produce, of what they do, very, very important. And then justice for knowledge as well. So we have, we have to do justice to all the knowledge that we, we have in, in addition to what we are struggling for in terms of the climate change and the climate justice. So, so I think all those, I would say, are important for, for teachers in the 21st century 
to recognize and deal with when they are dealing with the education. Mm, there's a lot there, David. Thank you. Barbara. Well, I think that Eben and David have really covered most things. I think I would end by saying, uh, taking up Eben's point about mindset, because I think it really comes back to that. If an educator can move to a mindset of global justice as a lens through which to view the world, I think there are endless possibilities of incorporating this into one's teaching. I, I think it can permeate everything that a teacher does in the classroom once you look at it through this different lens in terms of the maps you use, shifting from the Mercator map to the Peters projection, it's a small thing, but it can have a huge impact on the way children see the world in the classroom. The books that are used in the, in the school library, in the class library, the textbooks that are used, we've already talked about the difficulty with those, the language uh, that, that's used, how, how discussions are framed, not seeing charity as the default mechanism every time there, there, there is a, a crisis in the world. So I think the possibilities are endless once uh, somebody starts to really unsettle their own assumptions and think in a, in, a, in a deeper and more critical way about the world and why things are the way they are, are and to trying to counter the status quo. So that would be my 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 main. Yeah, because there's a really good graphic in your book about the size of Africa relative to Europe and the United States. Uh, do, can you just say a little bit about that? I just found that fascinating. Um, David, you might be able to come in there on that. That's the relative size of 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 Africa compared to um, compared to Europe and how that in itself can unsettle people's assumptions because we're talking about, I love the phrase pulling people up short because I think when you know you have that dissonance about the way you see the world and then suddenly your your uh, a, a point of view that you hold dear is confronted I think then there can be a shift in which learning can happen and th that idea of looking at the relative size of Africa is is just one example of of how children can be pulled up short I think even when you look at the map, uh, you can see sometimes Africa being portrayed the same size as the uh, United States. But actually, you can take United States and fit it into Africa. Perfectly, it fits perfectly. And then you can add France, you can add Germany, which are the biggest countries in, in Europe. Then you can take the whole of China, you can put in there. You can take a little bit half of China, you can take actually one and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a half of China, you can put in there. And you can put in, the, in that, you can also add India in there. So, but, but when you look at the map, it shows that, you know, the United States is almost the same size as, a, as Africa. And then Africa is a bit smaller, Europe a little bit bigger as well. And, you know, but you know, Africa is the, compared to, to all the countries, is the second largest continent after, after, after Asia. So I think you can say, you know, even, even in terms of how all these things are structured, is is it was to, you know, there was a bit of kind of scheme to 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 you know to, to make something about Africa, but not to, to show its lead potential, its lead size. So I think I think that is also the 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 mechanism there. And I think where Africa is the, the you know is of course in the center, but Europe is in the center. So I think all that is kind of uh, the way these things have been structured. But we need to to, to challenge those things. Uh, because actually they are not even geographically uh, and scientifically not not correct, but you know they they are they are there, and no one wants to correct them. No one wants to say, okay, you know, we, science is all about exact knowledge, exactly exactly uh, uh, the way we, we have to do things in 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 actual and and and, and the fact, but. But no one wants to change the map and say, "Hey, guy, we got long." You know, when we got long about Galileo, when they were saying the the sun was moving around the earth. You know, but then it's, it's the earth that moves around the sun. We change that. So why don't we change our maps and put everything correct after knowing what, what we have? Because after all, we are in the business of really working with knowledge, working with, 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 with science. So I think, I think that's becomes uh, interesting in, in that way. Thanks very much, David. And we're going to give you the last word there because we're well out of time. And I just want to thank the three of you, David, Eben and Barbara, and just uh, thank you for your contribution today and also just congratulations on the book challenging perceptions of africa in schools critical approaches to global justice education and uh, it is available online and i'm sure in lots of other places as well so thank you very much for your contributions today
Yeah, and and thank you, Sean, for 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 having us. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, I would say again, I, I think at all sorts we we have we have many authors as well. I think we we are, we, we thank Balabala as well uh, for for spearheading for spearheading uh, this effort. So you know because she's the one who initiated it and gathered all us around. So it it was really a pleasure to work on this uh, on this publication. And maybe uh, we are looking also to read publications from ourselves, but also maybe from others as well that might be inspired to write on, on Africa and the perceptions and maybe other places as well and their perceptions and how we can balance the education system and, and education, what we are learning. And that was David Nyaluke bringing this week's Inside Education to a close. My guests were my colleague Barbara O'Toole from Marino Institute of Education and Ebon Joseph and David Nyaluke from University College Dublin. I spoke to them to mark the publication of Challenging Perceptions of Africa in School, Critical Approaches to Global Justice Education, which was published by Routledge. You can listen back to this podcast or over 400 previous episodes by going to my website seandelaney.com and clicking on podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter where I use the handle at InsideEd. I post updates about the podcast and other thoughts and links related to education there. I'd be grateful if you can leave feedback about the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can write to me with comments and suggestions to insideeducationpodcast at yahoo.com. My own book about teaching, Become the Primary Teacher Everyone Wants to Have, is available now as an audiobook. Until the next time, this is Sean Delaney signing off. Thank you for listening. <laughs>